Hello and welcome to Podcraft. It's another in-between seasons interview episode. My name's Matthew and again I've retrospectively delegated the task of setting the scene of this week's show to Colin. So let's find out what he's got in store for us. This week, we're talking to a lady called Jo Milmine, who is a knitter. <laughs> so she podcasts about knitting. Uh, it's one of those case studies that I use quite often to talk about the fact that you can podcast about literally everything. Whenever I'm in a, a workshop or anything like that and people say, oh, what can you podcast about? What topics do people podcast about? And I always tend to do the standard from technology and marketing, which is, you know, the big, big markets of podcasting, right through to things like knitting. And people are always surprised that anyone podcasts about such a subject as knitting. But somebody does, Joe does, and she makes a real success out of it as well with the Shiny Bees podcast. So we went through a conversation about how she is monetizing that show, how she's creating a business out of that show, really. And she's doing really well with it doing a lot of sponsorship, working with sponsors, finding sponsors, as well as Patreon as well. So she's experimenting with Patreon as a way to monetize her audience. And that sounds a bit harsh, but actually it's because she seems to have created a really, really avid, uh, engaged audience who really want to pay her back, who really want to support the show and uh, jump in on the rewards she's offering at the same time. And then finally, we get on to tangible products as well. So Joe's running another company alongside the podcast, whereby she's offering subscription-style boxes about coloured yarn. Uh, and I have to admit, I don't understand exactly what it is. Dyed yarn? I'm not really sure. People, I think people get really weirdly coloured yarn through and then knit some great patterns out of that. But obviously, you can go to The Golden Skein, which is uh, Joe's company, and you can find out more about that as well. So... I won't hold you back any further. It'd be great to hear what you think about Joe's show. So please do get in touch. Get in touch on Twitter at the podcast host or grab us on Snapchat. We're experimenting a lot with Snapchat just now. Just the podcast host on Snapchat and you can fire us a snap on there. So without further ado, here is Joe Milmine. The podcast host, honing your skills. Get your free equipment buyer's guide at thepodcasthost.com forward slash kit. Get the right equipment. First time. Hey, Joe, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Colin. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem at all. Thanks for coming. Um, yeah, I thought it'd be great to get you on to have a chat around your own podcast and how you're using it really to to earn a bit of income, actually, and run it around your business as well, aren't you? So um, first of all, what is it you podcast about? It's a lovely subject, very unique. <laughs> Can you tell the listeners what it is? Yeah, I am a knitting podcaster. Excellent. <laughs> so proof that there is uh, definitely some um, quite visual, quite traditional uh, niches that you can still podcast about. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the time knitters don't want to be watching a podcast, although video podcasts, as you can imagine, are quite popular Yeah. Um, because they're concentrated on something complicated and they need to be looking at what they're knitting. So yeah. it's still quite popular for audio podcasts within the niche, even though you wouldn't think so. Excellent. And how? so what is it you podcast about then? Give us a wee description of your last few episodes. It varies, to be honest, and that's probably because that's partly my personality. I like to kind of not stick too much to techniques and dry subjects, but be more entertaining with Mm -hmm. it. Yep. And so the last couple of episodes talks about setting goals for knitting since the beginning of the year and how to manage your expectations for your knitting. So quite kind of theory based. And then 
Um, it goes on to various subjects, such as Craig David, who managed to inspire <laughs> an entire episode, as did Zoolander. So right. it really does vary. There's <laughs> a lot of comedy knitting patterns and a lot of having fun with knitting and seeing all the different sides of it, really. Yeah. As well as sharing different um, people who are working in the industry, I like to share their stories as well. Excellent. So a bit of case studies, a bit of education and a bit of entertainment as well. And some Craig David. So. <laughs> David. I always have to have some Craig David in the show. <laughs> so how did you get into that then? I take it knitting is part of your background. Um, not really, no, actually. It's a bit of a random one because I used to be in the military. So not at all really to do with <laughs> knitting. And um, after leaving, I moved to a rural part of Wales and I started blogging and we were expecting our first child. So I started knitting. And then after I moved to South Africa... I began listening to knitting podcasts around about sort of 2008, I guess, and I decided to do my own. So I started the Shiny Bees podcast in rural South Africa. It was quite exciting back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And now you're over in Scotland, of course. I was in Scotland. <laughs> I've, been, I've lived in a lot of places. <laughs> and I was up in northern Scotland, yeah. and I've just recently moved down to... Greater Manchester. Ah, I didn't realise that. Okay, you've escaped Scotland, the world of Scotland, then back to civilization. I have. I miss it terribly. <laughs> Walking on the beach after a day at work can't be beaten. Yes. <laughs> so, part of the reason I wanted to talk to you was that it's a, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a lovely area to podcast about that knitting. It just gives such a. a you know, you always want these case studies of people that are podcasting about something that really doesn't seem to lend itself to podcasting, which is brilliant. Um, but also partly because you've been experimenting with a lot of different ways of making your podcast, you know, pay itself back to you, either pay for its costs or actually start to, to earn a living or run a business as well. So I hope you don't mind we chat through a few of those different approaches that you've gone through. Um, now, the first one that you mentioned was sponsorship, of course. That's often the one that people jump to straight away. That's kind of the most traditional way to earn a living through podcasting or to at least earn a penny. How's that going for you just now? Are you doing a lot of sponsorship at the moment? Um, I've just sort of revamped my sponsorship agreement and I'm just taking on sponsors for this year mm-hmm. at the moment. And I'm quite picky about sponsorship because obviously it does dilute your content a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it has to be something that I believe in as a product as well, and that my listeners will be interested in, um, which narrows the field a little bit when you're talking about such a niche subject as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have been fortunate to partner with some brilliant providers who have fitted in with my message and that my listeners have enjoyed as well. So that would definitely be my sort of recommended approach. Yeah, yeah. What's an example of somebody you've worked with then? Um, I worked with a yarn festival down in London called mm-hmm. Yarn in the City. They also have their own podcast, yarninthecity.com, uh, and I worked with them to generate some interest around the annual Great London Yarn Crawl. Okay, perfect. So obviously something that's pretty, it's not in competition with you at all, but it's still of real interest to your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's a great example. Excellent. How are you finding these people in? Are they coming to you or are you going out to find them? Uh, a bit of both, really. Okay. Some people approach me for sponsorship and uh, some get sent away if they're at an <laughs> online casino or yes. <laughs> it's a really bad fit. Because it's pointless for anyone to do things that are a bad fit. They're not going to work and they're going to turn your listeners off. 
And some people, I see an opportunity and I approach them and we talk about how we can collaborate on something. Yeah. Any tricks on finding sponsorship? What's the, how did you find your last sponsor, for example, the one that you found rather than them approaching you? Um, again, it varies. I tend to look at who's sponsoring other podcasts. Mm-hmm. I look at who's spending money on advertising in print. I look at who's doing interviews on podcasts and whether they're aware of what podcasts can offer as a way to advertise. And then try and craft something around the kind of current angle and what they're promoting and show how I could complement that. Yeah. As a kind of very rough overview. It's you, I think you do need to tailor it to each individual sponsor and choose them carefully. Yeah, absolutely. Some great examples there. I mean, that's two of the classics, isn't it? Being able to see who's already spending money in advertising by looking through magazines, looking through websites that are talking about your niche um, and also looking at those in the podcast because obviously you don't have to sell the power of podcasting to them. So that's great. Um, Do you actually advertise the chance to sponsor on your website or anywhere else? Uh, There is a little tab on the website in the navigation because I like to have everything quite paired back and have my content as the kind of the main visual if you will because crafty websites can tend to be a little bit busy yeah and I prefer a more minimal look so I try to keep it sort of more in the navigation type thing and I haven't quite um, experimented yet with putting it in a more obvious place but I do still get um fairly regular inquiries even via that so Perfect. When you are trying to work out prices then, are you going by the standard CPM type models or have you worked out something else? Yeah, I use the standard CPM type model. And um, if I want to work with a small startup who maybe don't have a big budget, but I think will be of real interest to my audience, then I'll come up with a more sort of custom, slightly more affordable package for them. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And do you offer anything else alongside that as well? Is it just podcast or do you do social media, website mentions, that type of stuff? Um, not usually, no. Just purely because of a kind of workload point of mm-hmm. view. Really. Yep. So my standard package has the 15 second pre-roll, mm-hmm. 60 second mid-roll. They get to do a sponsored blog post that they write and provide on the blog okay. um, as well. And then they'll get uh, graphic in the show notes and then we'll go on to the sponsors page basically so i do have a page of previous sponsors and there all the graphics go on there yeah perfect so it is it does extend a fair bit beyond just the podcast then so that's quite good value you imagine oh, well i'd say so obviously <laughs> <laughs> obviously um yeah that's really good okay uh so that's sponsorship then anything else you, have you found anything any tricks or um tips along the way in terms of uh, working with sponsors or that you think listeners might be uh, might find useful again it varies from sponsor to sponsor and some people i'm working with are one man or woman bands and some are slightly larger organizations yeah so i think it's just if it's your show and you want it to go the way you want it to be then i guess you just have to drive it and manage it a little bit and i have quite set procedures and systems in place whereby they go down a journey when they become a sponsor and everything's already prepared and it gets sent to them and everything happens in advance so that every sponsor goes down that same journey with me which makes it easier for me to manage rather than emails back and forth and information back and forth it can be really difficult yeah that's a great great tip there actually just making a process out of it isn't it and mm-hmm. quite aside from making it easier for you it actually makes it look more professional to the sponsor doesn't it so that they're more likely to come back to you and to recommend you to other people in the industry i guess maybe 
Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Then you mentioned Patreon. So Patreon is um, doing quite well for for quite a few people in the podcasting space just now. What's um, your experience so far with it? It's been really good, actually. I was not really sure what to expect from it as a platform, or whether it would be something that my audience would necessarily buy into. Yeah, yeah. I do a lot of monitors do take part in my other business activities that I run, but Patreon is obviously separate from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems to go reasonably well uh, compared to the average patron Patreon site, mm-hmm, yeah. um, as it were, from what I can tell from my research. Obviously, some people are absolutely killing it on Patreon. Yeah, um, but my thought was after winning the uh, UK Podcasters Award that I must come back and uh, survey my audience and find out what I can give them next, what yeah. what they're looking for. And I used a lot of that information to shape the content that I'm going to put out this year. Okay. And um, I also used it to figure out what can I offer them that they might want and how can I make the podcast pay for itself. It's a weekly podcast. And obviously the time and hosting fees and everything else that goes into it, as you know, and your listeners will know is, is significant as uh, I'm doing it all myself or or was till very recently. And so I looked at that and tried to come up with a rewards package based on stuff that they would want Mm -hmm. and went for lower end of the scale sort of monthly increments. Um, Because it's much easier to say to someone, oh, well, if you'd buy me a coffee a month, why don't you join my Patreon? We can have a virtual knit night, which is one of the rewards for $5 a month and above, where we all get on the internet once a month because my listeners said they all wanted to spend more time with each other and get to know each other okay. as well. Yeah. We all jump on the internet together. We have a great laugh for an hour. We bring our knitting. We'll all talk about something like we would do at any knit night anywhere, <laughs> yeah. uh, but we're on the internet. And that's one of the rewards for $5 and above. So Brilliant. I looked at what they wanted and what I could provide that was sensible, because obviously I've got to provide this for them, and then fitted that into quite affordable sort of monthly amounts that are easy for anyone to sort of rationalize really yeah i love that just the idea that you're building a community around the fact that they feel like it's not even so much that they're paying for the community it's it's they're supporting this content that they love your podcast but actually they get the community and that monthly meetup as a bonus really that's kind of what i like about patreon at the moment is it's kind of giving people awards and rewards as they call it to (laughs) to support stuff that they love anyway yeah definitely and i think um if you're going to go down the patreon route maybe start looking about uh, maybe start looking at sorry um how people run successful other crowdfunding campaigns on Kickstarter or Indiegogo and look at what they recommend for you to do as your rewards package because if you've got decent rewards, it's going to be so much easier to convince someone to part with $5, $10, $15 a month to support the podcast and to get something else a little bit extra back. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good point, actually. I think a lot of people, well, don't discount, they they don't really attach crowdfunding with Patreon in some ways. Patreon's seen as a charity, almost. You're you're taking donations, but you're absolutely right. It is just crowdfunding, isn't it? Sort of starting at the other end, as in fund this to go forward and you get all these rewards, as opposed to crowdfunding, which is you'll get all these rewards and, you know, you'll support the company as a a sideline. Um, Mm -hmm. what, What do you think... 
Have you had any feedback from your listeners in terms of really why they're supporting you? Is it, have you got any idea of what it is you're doing really that is promote, uh, prompting these people to, to give you such support? Um, again, I'm probably not strategic enough when I think about these things, but what I do know is the the guys who are in the Patreon, they are my diehard guys. Yeah. You know, they're the ones who that I'm always talking to on social media that I've built relationships up with over the last four to five years. I know what the children are called. I know where they live. Um, and they tend to be, some of them are um, supporters of my other business as well, the yarn business. So they are the kind of dyed-in-the-wall, shiny bees, you know, hardcore. Yeah, and yeah. I do make as much effort as I can to look after those guys and make sure that they know they're valued. Because mm-hmm. yeah. they are, they're really important to me. There's no point doing it without <laughs> them, really. Otherwise, I'd be talking about Craig David by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, that that shows and you're mentioning the surveys. So you're actually getting back out there and asking your listeners what they want, which is a great approach. It's it's a brilliant thing to do to actually find out what they want. I mean, what so is there what else came out of those surveys? Obviously, you're doing things based on that through the Patreon, the content that's coming out next year. What, was there anything else they were clamoring for in the surveys? Um, it, it really varied, uh, to be honest. It was quite interesting, quite eye opening for me about what sort of things they actually wanted and some things that I didn't didn't even occur to me that to offer that they did want sure and um, so they wanted swag they wanted podcast swag uh, so I've got some canvas project bags made up with the logo on so they can put the projects in their project bag <laughs> um they wanted more meetups uh, they wanted a retreat where we could all go and knit <laughs> and um they were quite open to the idea of uh, sort of extra things around the podcast um, in order to support it, which is where I decided that Patreon might be a good option, a platform to do that. Right. So, so yeah, you, I mean, you could see that they were bought in, weren't they? So they're more likely to, to support you through a, a medium like that, I guess. Yeah, it's great. It's excellent to hear. It, I mean, you mentioned swag there, <laughs> so mugs and things like that. So that's moving more into the tangible rewards, tangible products. And I know that you have um, other endeavours as well, one called, uh, very interestingly, the Golden Skin. Is that how you pronounce it? Skin? Skin? It is if you're Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> the Golden Skin. Uh, so can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it is an online-based yarn subscription club where every quarter we issue a photo which is the inspiration for some hand-dyed yarn. And what your listeners might not know is all around the country, and in fact all around the world, there are lots of people hand-dyeing luxury knitting yarn. And we like to bring these dyers together and create these lovely packages, sort of like a perk box or a birch box. Again, there's been a lot of sort of membership sort of sites come up around various themes, but ours is yarn. Sure. And they go out every quarter to our members. Excellent. And that is that supported through, so your members as in people who listen to the podcast or people who have subscribed to Patreon? Where do you find them? Um. Again, it varies. A lot of them do come from the podcast. Okay. And unlike probably the trend is for podcasting now, the podcast came first and was just for fun. Yeah. And then the businesses sort of evolved out of that a couple of years later. And the Patreon is very recent. That's only been since December 2015. Um, and it was just a case of I really liked these beautiful yarns and I'd gone to South Africa and I'd discovered these hand-dyed yarns and they've got silk and beautiful wools in them. 
and I really enjoyed knitting with them. And I enjoyed the journey of discovery to find these people, these artisans and their stories. Yeah. And I wanted just to share them with people so people could try something new. Excellent. So the you actually advertise this service on the podcast then, is that right? Uh, once a quarter, I talk about the yarns that come out in the club. So it's not an official sponsor or anything like that, because I do like to keep it a little bit separate. Okay. But it's also, it's limited edition. So once the yarn's died and has come to me, it never gets dyed again. So it's kind of almost academic to talk about it afterwards, because generally it's all gone. <laughs> um, but what it does do is it means that those dyes that have worked with me, other people can go and just find them and try their, you know, if they don't want something that's a surprise, they can go and find them and try and choose a yarn and try it. And, and hear all about them. So it tends to be more in a, a sort of general enabling way, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So why the decision to keep that quite separate from the podcast then? That seems like a natural fit in that it would be something interesting to the listeners. Yeah, I'm not sure, really. I'm not really uh, sure at all. I mean, okay. I could definitely could um, advertise it more on the podcast. But I didn't want it to become sort of like too muddied and too intertwined with each other. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's more, I don't know. I suppose if I was telling someone that I work with that to do this, I'd be like, you should totally be talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty standard though, isn't it? You you give away valuable information. You do the podcast because you love it. And you, you've already said you love your listeners as well. And you don't want to be seen to be selling to them or anything like that. But then... You can give them more valuable material, more valuable information if you do make enough money out of it to put more of your time into it. So, yeah, it's, like you say, yeah, you're, I'm sure you would consult with people and say the same thing, but just interesting to ask, actually. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So I think that pretty much covers everything I wanted to know about it. Is there anything else that you think's worth um, mentioning before we start to close up around how you how you really run your podcast in terms of um, as a business or how you tend to, how do you try to get, you know, payback out of the time that you put into it? Not in a bad way, but just to make sure it's worthwhile for you. I think the main thing is not to discount any particular opportunity and to be open to things that come your way as your podcast grows. If you're doing it from an organic point of view, which I did Mm -hmm. and I was doing it for fun, and if I hadn't have been living in the areas that I was living in, I hadn't had these constraints around what I could do for a job after leaving the military, I probably wouldn't have ever taken that step to starting my own business and then consulting with the people that I actually work with um, on how to grow their own audience and sort of bringing all the different parts together. And the actual podcast side of things in terms of how to make the podcast as its own entity pay for itself... Again, it was a case of let's look around and see what other people are doing. Try it. See what sticks. Keep your integrity so you don't upset your audience, obviously. Um, Because you actually, it doesn't matter what you think is going to work. You've no idea if it's going to work until you actually try it. Absolutely. Yeah, until you validate it. And going back to the surveys as well, actually ask them what they want to. So. Yeah, it's great. I, I, thanks so much for coming on. I think that's a great case study of a few different ways to try and um, uh, monetize or you know make value out of a podcast. Uh, before we go, can you tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs? Uh, where what you're working on just now that you'd like them to check out? Well, if you like dogs in comedy knitwear, Craig David, and uh, a lot of knitting and, com- <laughs> and, <who laughs> and just doesn't? general out there chat. And quite frankly, who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you can find the podcast on iTunes as Shiny Bees or at the website where all the show notes are hosted at shinybees.com. 
And if you're interested in delicious parcels of hand-dyed yarn delivered to your door, hand-chosen by my good self, and produced by artisans around the world, you can find everything to do with that at www.thegoldenscape.com. Perfect. Well, thanks very much for your time, Joe. Thanks for coming on and have a good day. Thank you, Colin. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Big thanks to Joe and Colin for that chat. Lots of great value in there and I'm sure that'll be useful to you regardless of your own particular podcasting topic. Also, I'll be sure to stick Joe's links in the show notes for you over at podcraft.net. As always, before we part ways, I'd like to send you in the direction of something we've made here at thepodcasthost.com. This time around, it's another article I've written called How Much Should I Spend on Podcast Equipment? Which is a question we get asked a lot through the website. So if that's a question you'd like some help in answering, then you can find it at thepodcasthost.com slash spend. Okay, that's all for this week on Podcraft. Thanks again to Joe for taking part. Thanks again to you for listening. And we'll catch up again this time next week. 